Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Come to me. What I think is interesting here is Jesus starts off with this. All who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. Right? I think about this world. I think about how what I've been reading a lot about like how the West has been shaped over the last several centuries. Um, it's actually been really interesting. One of the things was uh, as some of you know, when me and Rachel wanted to get into missions, originally we wanted to go to Japan. I mean, that's the reason why uh, Rachel, for her degree, is studying East Asian studies with an emphasis in Japan, is that Japan is still very much on our hearts. But see, the thing is, when we were getting ready to go be missionaries in Japan, uh, we studied about Japan. Uh, Rachel did a lot more studying about, me, about Japan than I did. I will... I will Definitely admit that. I do not know nearly as much about Japanese culture and Japanese itself as Rachel. But some of the stuff we did together was there was this online course called Reaching Japan for Christ, right? I think that's right. Reaching Japanese for Christ. It was this, like, non, I don't even know if it was, like, officially a nonprofit. I think it was just basically was set up by a guy who was a missionary to Japan who just wanted other people to reach Japanese people. And so we set up these like online courses that you paid a very, very, very small amount to take. Um, and it was, he would go through different topics. And one of the topics we did together was like Japanese culture, just basic of like, this is the Japanese culture. This is what's different. This is how the gospel could be presented to them in light of how their culture is different than ours. And right, so when we were getting ready to go to Japan, we did all the study. And then we didn't end up going to Japan. <laughs> and then we ended up coming over here to Wales and now here to England. And when we came, I'm going to admit, we didn't do all that same studying as we did for Japan. Like, when we visited Japan, Rachel was able to, like, be aware and point out all these things that she had already learned. Like, oh, these people are acting this way because of this, or that person's doing this thing because of this, or, oh, the way that they even separate their trash is a sign of this part of their culture. But when we came here, you know, we, we asked our friends, okay, what's some of the differences? You know, we tried to get to know some of the things, but uh, there's a trap that even though we knew this was true. It's a trap that I think every American kind of falls into a little bit when they come from, especially even as missionaries from the U.S. to here, is that, oh, in the U.K. you speak English. In the U.K. there's a lot of similar things than the U.S., right? There's a lot of similar stuff that's the same, but there's so many things that are different that we realized when we got over here, right? They are different cultures, and so one of the things that we've been doing uh, through some of the training stuff we've mentioned is learning a lot about how to be missionaries, specifically in a UK culture. But one thing that I've been reading is I got the stack of books from this guy named Martin Robinson, who has his PhD in missiology, and he's just studied what's going on in the West. He's this British guy who's super smart, and he all his books are about like let's look at what's happened to the West and why it's current. The church is currently in this state like in the UK. And it's been so helpful to me because it's helped me start piecing things together of understanding, okay, now I can see why when we came to the UK, you have a bunch of churches that not necessarily have a bunch of people in them. 
right? And the thing that I notice with this, come to me who are heavy laden and uh, labor, the reason why that stands out to me and thinking specifically about the UK and thinking about the West is that that was something that over the last several centuries has become a key identity, right? We are a people who are, it's our individual efforts that we rely on to be able to kind of build ourselves up, right? We do our work. We, uh, we focus on the, it, it's not so much, there's still a collectiveness here. It's much more individualistic in the U.S. I will admit that in the U.S. it's very more, even more extreme individualistic, but there is still that thing. It's even when we talk about the church, right? We say, what is your testimony? Which is a great thing, you know, what is your testimony? But we say, what is your testimony? What is your belief? You know, when we ask somebody to save, we say, become saved. We say, you need to pray this prayer, and it's your individual salvation. Which is actually very different from the Bible. Because when you're reading the Bible, it says whole families were saved. You know, it's not like uh, Paul, when he would go up to a family and go to each individual person and be like, okay, you need to pray. Now you need to pray. Now, no, it's, it was a whole, it was a community thing. A community would change together. And so when I look at these words of all who labor and are heavy laden, I think about us as people who, that is kind of our, some key values in this world, in the world that we're living, in the culture that we're living. That we are a people that labor. Right? We are a people that we do our work, we get paid, we do all this stuff. But honestly, what that does is it just it grinds us into the ground, right? I will say one thing that UK does a lot better than the US is that the UK, by default, gives you a lot more holiday. In the US, it's like you're lucky to get maybe a week, if that, when you first start a job. If you get up to two weeks, it's because you've been at that job for like five years, right? First, you know, coming to the UK, the first thing was, was, oh, you have, you know, basically a month of holiday that you can take throughout the year. And I was like, so blown away. But that's something that's tr that we as a people need, right? There's a reason why there's a Sabbath. Because if all we do is labor away, if all we do is carry our burdens, we'll never find rest. God wants us to find rest and wants us to find rest in him. Right? Anybody who is laboring, anybody who is heavy laden, you can come to God and he will give you rest. And how will he give you rest? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Does anybody know what a yoke is? <laughs> Rachel, how would you describe a yoke? Oh, great. That's even better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, so it's that, like, it's that wooden or bar thing that, yeah, it goes on the neck so that you can tie them up. Usually it keeps all the animals in line so that they're all going in the same direction. So when you're plowing the field it's not you're not getting lines that go like this you're getting those getting nice straight lines right what I think is interesting is that he says I will give you rest he says take my yoke upon you 
which is, is to me that stands out because he just said, come to me who are, if you who labor, heavy laden, I will give you rest, right? You think if, if we ended there, the idea it would almost sound like to me at least that like God, Jesus is saying, come to me, I'm going to take away all your work. You're never going to have to do anything ever again. You're just going to rest. But then his next phrase is, oh, and I'm going to put a yoke upon you. But you're like, wait a second, Jesus. <laughs> At least to me, this is like a, wait, what's going on here, Jesus? You just told me you're going to give me rest, but then you're going to give me a yoke so that I'm going to be working again. But notice his yoke. His yoke is, he's gentle, he's lo- is light because he is gentle and he's lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Because in verse 30, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In ancient times, you know, actually in even modern day, you know, when rabbis were speaking to their disciples, the instructions, that the yoke picture, the reason why he uses that is that it's actually a common analogy that they would use. To say that you are my disciple, and then I'd be like, well, here's how you're my disciple. You have to follow these things. I'm going to, it's like, it, they would use that analogy. I'm placing my yoke on you, and that yoke is all of the instructions, all of the rules, all the things that you need to do to be my disciple. And Jesus is telling people that if they take his yoke, yes, there's going to be things that he's going to want to direct you in, right? You put a yoke on, like Rachel said, you put a yoke on your animal so you can direct them in the right way. But his yoke is light. His yoke, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Which means that, for me, that jumps out saying that to follow Jesus shouldn't be something that stresses us out. It shouldn't be something that's like you have to like follow all of these little rules, be perfect, right? If Jesus is saying his yoke is easy, if his commands to follow him, to become a disciple of Jesus, is something that is easy, that his burden is light, then we should be people, right, that we should be evaluating our lives. And if we ever think of the Christian life in something other than this, then we must be thinking of the Christian life wrong. Because if we start looking at the Christian life and we start stressing out about it because of all of these complicated things that we think we have to do, then I, I think we've missed what Jesus has been telling us this whole time. Because honestly... Jesus gives a few commands throughout the Gospels, but he doesn't, he doesn't give many, actually, when you read through it, right? He said there's, there's two big commands. He says that every other command is built on. Uh, who, who knows what are the two, main, two top commands that Jesus gives us? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's what Jesus says everything else is built on. If you can do those two things, then everything else should come naturally. I mean, he does give a command at the end of Matthew. It's a famous command of go and make disciples. You know, baptizing them in my name and teaching them everything that I've taught you. So if we look at the commands that Jesus has given us, we realize that, oh, it's not a bunch of, like, it's not all these rules that we need to follow. A lot of people look at the Bible and they look at the church as like, 
that, that like the Bible is some kind of moral handbook, right? You have a question, you find the right verse, the right verse tells you exactly what to do, and you're good to go and you move on. But I don't know if this is, if that's been your experience, but my experience is that the Bible is, not, is like very few times is that crystal clear on like, yeah, here I give you a very direct thing, you need to do it. Because the Bible is, as the Bible Project likes to put it, is a unified story that points to Jesus. But the fact that right there that it's a unified story means that it's going to tell us what it wants us to do differently. It's not going to be a rule book. It's not a law book. It's not going to just sit out and be like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Now, there are sections in the Bible, right? There is some command sections in the very beginning in the law, the Torah, that where it does do that. But if you even read through the Torah, you realize that a majority of the law, the majority of the book, the five books that are called the law, very few of it is actually that, of God sitting there and telling them commands. A majority of it is story. A majority of it is illustrating how God wants his people to live. Because when it boils down to it, it boils down to those two commands. Do you love God with everything? And do you love people like you love yourself? And really, when we break down the Bible to that, when we take away all of our other thoughts of like, okay, well, what does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z? And we put all that to side and we realize all we need to do is love God and love people. I don't know about you guys, but to me, that sounds a lot easier than having to jump through all these hoops or having to do certain things. Because... I can go out and I can look at how I'm living my life and how I'm interacting with somebody else and it's going to be pretty apparent to me if I'm loving that person or not. And by the way I do things, the way I act, the way I, what I spend my time on, I can really quickly judge, am I loving God or not? In fact, it makes me think back to that psalm that we read. As a person who is meditating on God's word day and night. It says that everything they do, they achieve. That God is there guarding them. It makes me think of Romans 8. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter of the Bible. Um, Rachel gets annoyed at me sometimes because I reference it way too much. Uh, Romans 8.1 is my favorite verse. It says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Romans 8 has many great verses, right? Romans 8.28. Um... God is going to for God is going to make everything work out for the good of those who love him. Romans 8 tells us that if God is for us who can be against us? Romans 8 tells us that we are more than conquerors. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we live in light of that, when we live in light of the fact that there is a the God that created everything, the God that you know, who has given us the bright sunshine as I look up through the window. The God who controls the very breath that I breathe, who gives me every breath. That God is for me. That God is with me. That God lives inside of me. Then if I really honestly believe that, then yeah, Jesus' yoke is going to be easy and his burden is going to be light. I also think about it in light of 
this church because as you all know, we've talked about it so many times, we really do are hoping to like relaunch this church, to really see this church grow, right? The problem we want in a few years, I'm hoping like in a year at the most that this whole floor will be so full of people we have to use the balcony, right? That is the problem we want to have. And as we think about that, that might seem like a huge goal. How are we going to get people back in here? How are we going to get this church going that, it's that, that it has that many people coming in every Sunday? But what's great about this is that that might seem like a heavy burden. That might seem like a heavy yoke that's going to be hard for us to pull. But God says, Jesus says, I will build my church, right? God says he is with us. God's going to do that. If we're faithful to just follow him, if we're faithful to go in that straight line that he's put his yoke on us to like direct us, if we're faithful to go forward and plow that field the way he wants us to, God will build that church. God will build this church. So it is an easy and a light yoke. It's not a heavy burden to bear because we're not doing it by ourselves. Um. Before I close with my quick little sermon, I do want to give some time. I, I have learned to really appreciate a little bit of, of the fact that because we're small, we can, it's a little bit easier to do this for right now. Um, I know that's not everybody's favorite thing, but I do love hearing from you guys because I want to have some feedback because I feel like I can come up here and just yell at you. <laughs> I hope I'm not yelling. Talk at you. Um, and that's great, and you might take some stuff away, but I really want to hear what you guys get when you read this. When you hear these words that uh, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is something that comes to your head? What is something that God has revealed to you? We can choose, that's, that's a really great point. We can choose to put on the yoke or not, right? He says, he says, take my yoke, right? He doesn't say like, I'm going to put my yoke on you. He says, take my yoke. It's an offering. It's not a, it's not a force. That's a great point. Isn't that great that God doesn't force us? He allows us to have that choice. Ah, that's a great point for those, if you didn't hear it. When we take his yoke, we're not just taking a yoke and having to bear it ourselves, but we have the Holy Spirit as a helper, right? When Jesus, after he, he said that after he dies and he raises again and goes up to heaven, he's going to send the helper. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And we see with Pentecost, they're filled since then. As believers, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So we are not just carrying the yoke on our own power, but we're empowered by the Spirit to carry this yoke. So that should make the burden even lighter, right? and the yoke even easier to pull because it's not even our own strength that we have to rely on to pull it. We have God literally empowering us to do that. And when God is walking with you, when you realize God is with you every day, even in the dark times, you can feel like your burden's light. Makes me think of Psalm 23, right? It's famous Psalm, the whole good shepherd Psalm. And, but there's a part where it says, I walk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. But what stood out to me is the fact that the psalm is saying that there's going to be points where you're walking through the shadow of the valley of death, right? There's going to be points where 
life's going to be hard, but at those points we can fear no evil because God's there, because the shepherd is there directing us. Um, I know that, I mean, as many of you know, me and Rachel have had a hard last couple months. And it's been hard because of <laughs> all the things that have happened. And sometimes in the hardness, I can tell you that I was like, God, this is not, this yoke is not light. This burden is not light. But then I, I have had to take time where I've had to sit and listen and just hear him. And I realize that he's telling me that he is with me and that he's got it. This morning, I'm going to admit, like this morning, I feel like I've got a spiritual attack. I usually get up a few hours before Rachel, and usually in the morning, if I'm teaching, I'll go over my sermon. Or this morning, I was just thinking about what's going on at church, and for some reason, I was just feeling like, ah, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do at church. I don't know what will happen. I don't know if, what am I going to do if the, if the thing fails? And God just, I just felt God come and say, you know, you're not doing this by yourself. He's like, I got you. And that changed my whole morning around. So they just wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> and it's been successful, right? As I just want to wrap up, I just want to pray that you guys this week will find rest in the Lord. And rest is more than just sitting around and doing nothing. <laughs> um, that's, sometimes I find that to be the least restful time sometimes, right? Sometimes I get caught up and I'm not doing anything. Um, but because I'm not doing anything, I start realizing all the things I need to do. But that makes me panic, so then I don't do anything. And that's not rest. That's just me being in, living in anxiety. So just be, it doesn't necessarily mean that you do nothing. But I hope that you find rest in the Lord. I hope that you find that the yoke he's placed on you is easy. That his burden is light. I pray that as you face challenges this week, you'll realize that you don't have to face the challenges by yourself. Know that God is with you. Also know we are all with you, right? God, has, God specifically has built his church as a community. There's a reason why it's called the body over and over again. So let's do that this week too. Let's make sure that, when we, that we find rest not only in God, but realize that we're not the only ones that are pulling, right? We're not the only ones with that yoke, right? Like Rachel said, you know, you take several animals and you'd put the yoke on them to, so that you could pull the plow. You're not doing it by yourself. You have God with you and you have the rest of us with you as well. So let me pray to close us and then we have one more song and then we'll call it good. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the fact that your yoke is easy, that your burden is light, that we can come to you and you will give us rest. That we can set aside all of the worries and the cares that this world throws at us because we know that we have a heavenly father who provides for us, a heavenly father who cares for us, a heavenly father who is pointing us in the right direction. And we have that choice. And I pray, God, that we will be a people that choose to take that yoke. That we won't try to do it ourselves. That we won't try to be like, no, I'm going to carry my own burdens. But that we will come lay them at your feet. 
so that you can help us carry them along. And that makes everything so much lighter. Because you are for us, so who can be against us? We are more than conquerors, God, with you on our side. In your name, amen.